Welcome to a damn podcast. I am Adam Sherlock. Adam Paltrow right here. It is wonderful to be back for our episode two, and I hope there's no sophomore jinx in this one. Like, the first one was good, and now it's just going to go downhill, but we'll <laughs> give it a shot and see. Uh, if you tuned in last week, you would know that we did a little movie called No Country for Old Men, which starred Josh Brolin, who was in Planet Terror with Bruce Willis, who was in Sin City with Clive Owen, <laughs> who is in tonight's movie, Children of Men. So, that's nice, my little... Nice connection there. Yeah, I had to write it down, though. And I thought of it last night, and I was stoned, and I was trying to think of it <laughs> earlier today, and I'm like, how the fuck did I do that? I couldn't remember. I think we have to play that game more on the whim. I think that would be fun on the podcast. It's like, yeah. but then you get Shannon Tweed and Sinbad. Like, connect those two on. <laughs> okay, on... Shannon Tweed and Sinbad. <laughs> if anybody at home can do that, I'm not going to waste ten minutes of going, uh, <laughs> exactly. Susan. But if you can do it at home, please we write in. We would have to edit out uh, a lot of Once the, again, uh, to... Uh, <laughs> Uh, what's our email address? You want to, you want to, um, a damn podcast at gmail.com. It's a D A M N podcast. Um, I want to actually start off and do a little apology because I'm a total retard. Um, apparently I, uh, I said Magnolia was my number one last week and the fact that it was my number one kind of makes this even worse, but, uh, no, you're number one of from 2000 till 2007, <laughs> yeah. and you were punching me in the dick about it. They're like, I can't believe it was on your list. Um, well, officially, apparently it came out in December of 1999. <laughs> and it was so great because you called me up that night and you were like, we have a problem. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> you're like, well, and the fact that it's my number one really sucks, but... Uh, yeah. but in my defense, the back of the DVD case says 2000. <laughs> And it was you got officially... an IMDb that shit, man. You can't just trust the the packaging. It was officially released wide though in January of 2000. So in my defense, but I I probably should have done some better research. And also something I noticed listening back on the other one is we talk about um, the bad guy in Fargo. Um, uh, we say Peter. I say Peter Sarsgaard. Yeah, but it's actually Peter Stormare. Stormare. Yeah. Who's so, Peter Stars? Peter Peter Scars, uh, Sarsgaard is a uh, the guy in Garden State. Um, his friend. Oh, and I, yeah. I I was just kind of naming Peters off, okay. and you went with it, and I we said the wrong Peter. I totally so. went with it because I just assumed you knew, and now I I'm gonna have to. You have you can't. I, I'm I'm disillusioned, man. Okay. I'm out here. I'm twisting in the wind. I don't even know what to think anymore. Do you want to go over what we're gonna do this week? I don't even know if I'm ready to do that yet. Before we do that, I'm going to say right off the bat, uh, due to your indiscretion with both that name and the Magnolia incident, I, I have to say... Not uh, a good start. I am punishing you. Uh-oh. <laughs> Within the next week, you need to bring me an in-depth, three-minute movie review of the movie Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. That's what I'm saying <laughs> right now. Estelle Getty. And uh, you can't, and if you if you fucking bring me something, and it is verbatim off of like the IMDb summary, <laughs> that, no way, no way. You yeah. have to, we have to watch that movie? I'm giving you two weeks because... Do they, do they even make it on DVD anymore? I don't think. Oh, 
Yeah, yeah, but it's, yeah, but it's you know, it's it's region two, so Slice, I don't know. Slice Stone and Stelgetti, I can actually probably remember some stuff from that. You've fucking seen it. I've never even seen it. It's like a TBS. Dude, they thing. may have well, they may as well have fucking had a movie poster with a smoldering turd <laughs> on a plate. <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing. You see that, and you look at the movie poster, and you go, oh, I'm going to fucking stay away from that The movie poster, one. I think, is Estelle Getty with a gun. With a gun, <laughs> and then Sly Stallone behind her. It's essentially like if you just got some people together and said, okay, we haven't even written a script for this movie yet, but what do you think that it would look like? <laughs> now make a movie poster. That's what they made. I'd like to see the pitch with all the execs there saying, okay, I have an idea for a movie. This is going to be great. I know. Well, that's a whole other that's a whole other ball of wax. We'll, we'll do that right. someday. What, I would love to do that. Do, do a, a list of movies and then have what we believe, if we could have been a fly on the wall, what the dialogue <laughs> in, that, in that room would have been like, like the pitch session. That would have been great. So, anyway, uh, back to it. Today's movie is Children of Men for this week. And uh, once again, we're going to do, just like we did last week, we're going to talk about the movie. After we talk about, about the movie, we're going to go through our list segment, uh, which I believe are our are, are top five versions of the future movies, right? Our favorite or most inspired or most original versions of what the future would be like. Uh, and then the second one is our top five birth scenes from a movie, since uh, Children of Men obviously has a... You know, I mean, Children of Men is really coming through here on both of these top fives and, well, and obviously marking high with yeah. both of these things. But so these are, you know, Children of Men won't be in those top five Ho- other things. Hopefully the list will, you know, go along with the themes of the movie that we review that week. Um, I didn't necessarily do birth scenes for each one, but movies about birth. But there are a few with birth scenes that stick Ooh, out. See, because I went. Just the scene? I went by the book. I left out some. Really? Okay. Well, but I've written them down also as sort of al- alternates because it doesn't have honorable the mentions. actual... Yeah, okay. honorable mentions. The bronze, if you will. So <laughs> anyway, place. Yeah, and All I right. don't mean the place where Buffy and her friends hung out. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> that was for Fooboy. Anyway, okay, uh, so let's get into it. Children of Men, do you want to do the summary? Do you want me to do it? Uh, or? Why don't you do it? I did okay. No Country last week. Um, all right, well, I don't have anything written down, and I don't know. I don't want to get on IMDb, but that's okay. I think I can do it. Basically, okay, we're starting off, the movie starts off, Diego Ricardo, the youngest human being on the planet, has just been stabbed to death by an angry fan. Uh, He had fans, obviously, because he was the youngest human being on the planet. No one has been born since 2009. It's 2028. And 27, I think. Is it yeah. seven? Uh, some, either I way. I guess if he was 18, <laughs> yeah, 2027. Okay. Fair enough. So it's 2027. Uh, the world has gone to shit. You get these little blips and blurbs about there being some sort of a flu uh, yeah. epidemic, um, pandemonium throughout the world. All these places are fucked up. Now, the, the one of the things I love right off the bat is that you keep getting these images that the only place that has survived is Great Britain. Yeah. We don't really know that because they probably could have done the exact same movie and had it been in America and everybody there would be saying the same thing. Uh-huh. Like, we're the only place where there isn't total anarchy. There's a, but, there's a little newscast thing that they show, I think, a couple times through it where it says, 
You know, oh, you get of, all those little blurbs of the different places. Of different cities yeah. and shit going up in flames. Oh, and, they have New York with its yeah, little, so, like an atom bomb uh, cloud above yeah. it. So obviously something's happened around the world. Right, that, well, and there's even later somebody mentioned something and they were like, oh my God, your parents were in New York when that happened. But uh -huh. you just get snippets of it. And yeah. we'll, we'll get back to the atmosphere and how amazing that is. Essentially, anyway. Um, oh, and you know, before before we go any further, we want uh, I, I want to make this uh, clear again that we don't do spoilers so if you haven't seen children of men blah like go away go watch it come back and we'll talk because too much to go through to wait for all the good bits at the end because it's not worth it so anyway <coughs> so we're following clive owen whose character is theo i don't remember his last name okay so anyway theo um theo when he was younger uh wasn't was an activist now he has some dumb government job doing just you know office job office job you don't ever really know really apathetic he's an alcoholic he just you know he's, he's his life has really fallen apart we don't know why yet um we find out later it's because uh, he had been married and had a child and the child uh died from this flu pandemic that they talk about um his ex-wife gets a hold of him to uh, try and get transit papers to get uh, uh, this Fuji. young woman, uh, this Fuji, or refugee, uh, uh, out of the country um, to get to uh, some other underground organization. Um, she works, she, she still is an activist working with these terrorist organizations and all these stuff. Well, terrorist quotes. Um, but uh, and ev eventually we find out that the Fuji that she's, that he uh, is transporting is a girl named Key who is pregnant. The first pregnant person on the planet in 18 years. Yep. Right? So that Miracle. pretty much gets us to that point. Everything else after that is essentially going from point A to point B and the characters that you meet intermittently throughout that and their motivations as they find out that this girl is pregnant. Well, I want to start off with uh, just talking about this as a quote that I read of Alfonso Cuaron, who is the director of uh, of Children of Men, who I think he also did... Uh, Harry Potter! Yeah, the, the, my about favorite... the boy Harry, wizard! My favorite Harry Potter, though, the best one, and um, also the... You have uh, a favorite Harry Potter. Fuck yeah, I do. And uh, E Mama Utambien, uh, he also did that as well. But he, this is a quote that he talked about with Children of Men, and he wrote, uh, "There's kind of a cinema I detest, which is a cinema that is about exposition and explanation. It's become now what I call a medium for lazy readers. Yeah. Cinema is a hostage of a narrative, and I'm very good at narrative as a hostage of cinema, which I think a lot of it. Wow, that's fucking cool. Yeah, I I think a lot of it relates to." Um, a lot of people complaining about how they didn't really delve into why women are infertile for so long um, in the movie, and I think it you you're basically supposed to kind of come up with your matter. your own conclusion. Yeah. I think he was making the movie more about the journey of these two people than that. That's kind of a subplot, though it's a very interesting subplot, um, and very you know it, it's a you know part of the reason you know why the why the world's so fucked up. Well, and you, you bring up a, a great point with that, too, that it's like, I mean, if you were a person living in that time, you know, uh, whatever real explanations they could be, that it was, like, pollution or the evils of mankind or whatever, it that doesn't matter if you're in it. If mm -hmm. you're in it, all, you, all that matters is hope is lost, we have no future, 
our sense of innocence as a humankind is gone. Well, and, you know, and that and that that's the driving point. And I think your idea or, or that quote, you know, where he talks about this idea of the explanations. We don't need an explanation of the future either. All we need to know is shit hit the fucking fan. Here we go. Now you're in it. Now go. You know. And, well, and and stuff like. Uh, how, you know, since the youngest person in the world's 18, they don't need schools anymore and shit like that. And yeah. people are growing up with this stuff that's not really around them anymore because there's no use for them. And um, I, obviously the, one of the main themes of this movie is hope. And, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just... And when there's a lack of it, what do people resort to? Exactly, yeah. And, and I think one of the biggest characters in this movie is the background and... Um, how this movie is shot and what, how, what a fucked up world that they live in. Um, but they don't really, I mean, they talk about it, but in a very subtle way, they don't say, oh, look, those immigrants are in cages or anything like that. You know, no. well, and even, you know, and even some of the parts where they do have to kind of get into, uh, the actual plot development and then things have to be explained to you because there's, there's so many layers to this atmosphere around them. It's in ways that I think are really great. Like, uh, uh, Michael Caine's character is, which, oh my God, once again, Here's a guy where nine times out of ten, like like on our top five list uh, last week, Michael Caine is one of these guys where if you need the sort of like, you know, the the older British man who's going to make the funny quip about something, then you get Michael Caine, and here he is, as like, oh my god, he's my drama teacher from high school, man, he's <laughs> awesome, and his character would talk about the the Fugees that way. He would say, oh look, there they are, they're carting them off, they're hunting them down like cockroaches, blah blah blah. Even though he may have said that same thing 5,000 times before, he would be the guy that would say it again. So they have him say it in the movie, and it still feels really natural. I think you know? he really stands out as oh. the hippie friend or whatever. And It's great. And the, I, I, what I think is really interesting, too, about their friendship is the age difference. You know, and, yeah. um, you know, it's just, and Michael Caine, I think it, this was a great performance by him. Oh, and man. Obviously, uh, Clive Owen does a really standout job as well, but, uh, I love well, Michael Caine. Let's talk about Clive Owen for a minute, too. You know, I have to say, and I, I wish I could have been the first person to say this, but I'm not. It was actually a great comment that Roger Ebert made about Clive Owen's performance in this movie, which is, it's so nice to see a movie like this that does have these big action scenes in it and different things like this, and it is in the future, and, and that our main character that we're following through it is just as fucking terrified as we are. He is not an action hero guy. He yeah. never fires a he's gun in this movie. For he's sure. an anti-hero, but even to the degree where he's just human. You see, you know, there's that amazing scene at the very beginning, right before the title sequence, where he's in the Starbucks and he comes back out and he's and he's putting his yeah. uh, whiskey into his glass into yeah. his uh, coffee that he's just gotten, and the entire place that he was just in blows up and instead of running to help or anything like this he cowers he hide he hides i mean he's terrified and that kind of reoccurrence throughout it i i think brings it back to the audience it brings it back to the viewer to go yeah you should fucking be scared man these guys are gonna fucking kill you like you know and and mm-hmm. i think that that's and that such lady a great comes out with her oh, holding her arm holding <laughs> i love arm. that oh my god <laughs> well that was that's actually uh if i if we can move th- Forward just for a second, but cinematography. Well, cinematography. I was actually going to say music once again. Oh yeah. Now our second week in a row, 
Yeah. We have these, I mean, it does have these haunting, beautiful passages of music where there seems to be this almost Gregorian chanting in parts and these big cellos. And, and, and it adds to this sort of ambiance. But in all the dramatic scenes, the really big ones, no music. And every time that you're getting these big scenes of violence and these big explosions, you're getting that hum. That's that thing that, mm -hmm. that uh, 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 Julianne Moore talks about, where she has that great line. Uh, the ringing in your ear. That ringing in your ear. Mm -hmm. You know, that's your that's those cells dying. Yep. I hope you like the sound. You're never going to hear it again. That's a great line. That we hear that all these times throughout it. It is this, yeah, it's this high-pitched hum that happens. And, yeah, I mean, that definitely adds to the scenes, too. I don't, Man, it's a new trend that's happening. I mean, I start to look at some of these really intense scenes in movies where they're leaving the music out, and I'm going, I... I don't know if I could see these scenes with music in oh, it. Oh, yeah. It would, it would feel too contrived. I think it's a good trend, though. I love it. I'm really happy <laughs> For the about right it. director, I guess. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite Clive Owen scenes that really I think he does great as an actor is uh, the scene where they're burying uh, Julianne Moore, mm. and he's kind of cowering in the... And that's kind of the he goes first... goes over to have a smoke? Yeah. Oh. And I think that's kind of... Because uh, the first part of the movie, he's kind of a zombie. Um, yeah. In a way, I mean, he's. I mean, he could, he's, he's definitely just drunk. He's just relatable. Yeah, and he's <laughs> I mean, probably he's drunk, and you know. And but this is where kind of the first emotional scene where you see him, and he just kind of starts cowering, and and there's well, a great shot because they're burying her in the background. The park car pulls up, and there's tons of shots like that that are really wide. Well, and, and you know, it's interesting. I think that we get a little zombified too. I mean, obviously, it's very oh, interesting when in you're involved. So great. Yeah. But it's like you know, there's the big explosion at the beginning. And then it gets toned down again, and it's and it feels like a quiet movie, and and it goes to these different moments trying to give a little bit of explanation, and then he gets kidnapped by by uh, Julian Moore's uh, uh, thugs or whatever, and we get worried for another minute, and then you find out oh this is his ex wife, and you go okay, and then you get comfortable again, and you're comfortable until that fucking twelve minute car ride. Holy fuck! Yeah, that's I'm the... sorry that this stands alone as one of the most insane amazing moments of cinematography maybe maybe ever and i mean with good reason but you think about all the extras all the special effects all the camera work you know well, how many one, times they had to do it and and it's one shot obviously you know? it's one shot and the and seeing this in the theater too i was uh that is a crazy intense scene and oh. they they start doing the ping pong ball thing yeah and, and it's cute and you're going yeah. oh they're gonna get back you together. don't expect it yeah. and then all of a sudden that burning car coming down through the trees and they're going uh oh uh oh and then all the people come down and i mean and and then she fucking gets shot and she dies yeah right in the holy throat it's god amazing. man and that is yeah and then it's he like and 20, then 20 uh, 30 minutes into the oh, movie and what's the fucking actor's name what's the uh, chitta okay, i know who you're talking about yeah fuck i'm sorry we'll put the name up on the, the website the driver but... of uh, the car uh, yeah. yeah did you see serenity i haven't seen that okay movie. this guy is in serenity also and oh, whoever cool. this guy is he's a fucking amazing actor he's he enough. just has this Talk to me. That oh, uh, is he Don in that Cheadle too? Movie. He is just an incredible actor. He has this intensity about him that always seems. And I don't know anybody else who can do this. He seems both kind and friendly, and like he'd slit your throat in a, a heartbeat. Total threat. Yeah. Yeah. At the exact same time, and I don't know how he can do that, but you know, in this especially, you kind of think he's this bumbling guy until at the end of that scene, he shoots those two cops. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're like. Um, okay, you know, and it just, it builds and builds on that level, but I guess we're getting a little off track here. Let's keep going. One thing I want to mention really quick, the scene where he goes to his cousin's house, John Houston. I want to mention John Houston really quick because 
He has a little bit role in this, and he's just the really nice, really apathetic cousin to Clive Owen that oh, gives yeah. him the transit papers. With the pig flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. and you know, and he has all these great works of art because the world is coming crashing to a halt. Yeah, all these that's things. a great scene. First of all, John Huston is a fucking chameleon, man. I mean, on he the is. level, if not more so than Gary Oldman. Because if you think to yourself, this nice-looking, clean-cut guy is the same one that played the older brother in The Proposition? Yeah. Holy right. shit. You know, like, he's, that's uh, nuts. He's and the, he's in 30 Days a Night, too. Yeah, he's the head vampire. Yeah, I still haven't seen that, but I, I saw pictures of him on IMDb. Yeah, was I just like, watched it this weekend. God, this guy. The one thing I wanted to say about that scene at, at, the, at uh, John Huston's house, though, is that I thought was such a wonderful atmospheric ad was uh, his son, who oh. has these weird tattoos. He's playing some video game and seems completely autistic. Is he, play, is he playing a video game? Yeah, I mean, I was, you see him yeah. You see him do the thing with his hand. There's a little screen in the corner. It looks like some 3D Tetris yeah. thing. But I just thought to myself, what a wonderful layer, what a wonderful texture of atmosphere. Because you think about, and I don't want to sound like an old fogey here or anything like that, but you think about kids raised on video games, kids raised on MySpace, all these different things, and you go, how long into the future of giving kids drugs for their ADD and all this other stuff, yeah. and they play video games all the time and don't have human interaction, that essentially all kids are essentially going to be like that. <laughs> Once you go along far enough, they're just going to be all kind of weirdly... I mean, it isn't even like autism, though. It's like, it's like zombie. Like a zombie, you know, there's no interaction. Yep. You know, and and I just thought that was a, that was a great layer to add in oh, there definitely. because you know you just go yeah totally that's you know that's that's what it would be like. But um, um, I really liked how um, subtle the future was in this movie. Like it, I mean, it's a very realistic future, and the things that um, are futuristic about it are pretty subtle. Like the speedometer on the car. I don't know if you noticed, but it's like actually in the window. Yeah, and uh, you know the ads and chaos and just the cages of stuff it's yeah it's very it's very realistic and that's one of the best parts of the Ooh, future and we'll mention that quietest the quietest uh, the yeah. suicide kit that they're starting yeah. to the government's trying to hand out to the citizens that's genius. and there has the ad in the background while they're talking in you the one scene or something like you that you choose and it has the guy <laughs> sitting in a chair and he's like on this horizon and, it, totally and it's stoked. great because yeah. it looks exactly it looks exactly like the uh prescription drug ads that they have now yep. you know for like you he's know claritin or whatever yeah and he takes the pill and he steps up out of the chair and he walks into the sunset quietus <laughs> and you just think like oh my god like but it's perfect yeah the layers the layers of all these things and and you know there's so many uh, bits like that like it, that where you wonder maybe about a character's motivation until you start thinking of it like you know uh uh theo uh telling all the radicals once they've gotten key to the safe house, you know, we need to take her to proper care. And everybody's like, you fucking idiot, blah, blah, blah. Well, you think to yourself, like, no one's been born in 18 years. These facilities don't even exist anymore. And how many of the people that are just hanging out, I mean, they were they were younger than us now yeah. when, when people stopped being born. Nobody knows how to deliver a child anymore. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's why the only one who does is the old hippie lady that's with... Key, who was a midwife, you yep. know, at one point, that she's the only one. She's All these great. other people don't know. Oh, and her character is great too. I yeah. love, I love the little detail that there's some weird, like new age religion that she's part of. That's yeah. that they do the whole uh, ritual when when uh, uh, Julian Moore dies. You start to see the motivations of these different key players, and that they all want to use this child as a symbol. 
right? Oh yeah. Um, the, the 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 organization that she's with at first that the Julian Moore uh, and her her cronies are all part of uh, are are there for Fuji rights, and so they want to hold up the child to say, "See, Fujis are humans too." The you know Fuji's the one that had the the first baby born in eighteen years, and this whole thing, and uh, you know you see all these different people using it for these different political motivations, and it's really you know that that's one of those layers to it that I just think adds to the realism because that's exactly what would happen. Yep, it wouldn't be a bunch of people going, "Oh, this is wonderful." It would be that it's a miracle. Know? Oh, and by the way, really quick, if we can mention it, the slowest car chase. In the fucking history of film. Oh yeah. Oh my god. The car he's got no shoes on and he's pushing the car and then it hits a pothole and everyone's running and they have to try and do it again. And do you think that the no shoe thing is like an homage to die hard? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're I don't know, is the flip flop thing an homage to the big Lebowski? I guess <laughs> we could just keep going. It might with this. be, no. I'm yeah, just who knows? Um a, a few <laughs> things I want to mention. Um is uh, the scene where she's talking to Theo. Uh, I don't know her name in the movie. Uh, the girl is pregnant, obviously, the main girl. Key. Key, yeah. that's right. Um, where she's explaining to uh, Theo about the first time she felt the baby kick and, and that, that she she's was alive. alive. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was really powerful. And well, I love how she joked with him saying that, oh, I, I'm actually a virgin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there, like, is, there is a layer of theology to this at the end, you know, they're being delivered no in water, intended. and there's all these yeah theology, but uh, you know there there is all these layers like that to it, and you know the, the well, and that goes along with uh, when um, Jasper uh, Michael Caine's character is talking about the difference between faith and chance. Yeah, and you know, and that he says everything happens for a reason, and fate lost out to chance. Yeah, Theo's fate lost out to chance with his son dying. Yeah. yeah. I thought th I thought that was great. The baby names, Froly, Bazooka, yeah. like that that was great. Um, you know, and and there is a a lot to uh, to those scenes where they're talking about the idea of faith and they're talking about the idea of feeling alive. And it's interesting. You wonder, you know, I, I just wonder if people just stopped having sex after a while. Yeah, because they didn't feel alive. There's no strip clubs. Yeah. I mean, the places in turmoil. That's why I have sex at strip clubs. Well, I'm just, no, but I'm just saying the sense of sexuality, the sense of feeling no, alive, you know, the, it seems so sterile. And except the ghetto that the, the Fugees are all in that they get put in at the end. Oh, okay. oh my God. The refugee camp. Oh, and I, that reminds me, this is, this is one of the big things I really want to make a point about um, that I thought was so brilliant. What's the director's name again? Alfonso Cuaron. So brilliant on his part. They play with they play with the viewer, our, our, they play with our own prejudices about the world by making you assume that after she has the baby, that the guy who's the cop, that Sid, is yeah. going to be one that, the one that helps. And, and uh, uh, Merica, the, the, the gypsy woman, yeah. you're worried, like, don't let her fucking see. Just let Sid totally see. Sid's going to help. Yeah. And it totally switches. And he is a cocksucker. Yeah. And she... She helps him to the end. I mean, after the, that whole she last scene, the boat away, yeah. well, after that whole last scene where he tells her to wait there, and then they come back, and you've totally forgotten that she's even there. And they come back around the corner, and she's still standing there with her dog. No, that's a, that's a great like, point. I didn't think about that. Is definitely it uh, plays completely with your own your own preconceived notions of no, they are dangerous, and so you do get to this point where you kind of feel bad, like you're like. Yeah, I kind of thought that she was going to be the creepy one. And yeah, blah, blah, blah. no, like, it's a great point. I thought um, that was great. Obviously, um, the way that it ends with Theo dying, um, I thought was... Uh, 
I think I think it was kind of a way to end the movie, but not really end the story because you see the tomorrow. It's just his part of the story. Yeah, it's yeah. more his part of the story, and you know all these little layers of things. Just just amazing. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about this thing for another hour. I mean, it's an amazing movie. We obviously both love it. The uh, I think one thing we do have to touch on before we end the review, though, is the last scene or one of the last scenes where you know they're carrying the baby down the stairs and and, and everyone who sees it all, all and at least all the immigrant people who see it start singing That's they start right. singing this really quiet little singing and they're laughing and smiling and they're in the middle of a fucking war zone yeah and yeah it's, it's amazing this, it's it just i mean it extremely touching stops. yeah well and, you know that made me think of this idea not to get uh, you know too tony robbins ish or anything but this idea of you know especially right now uh I realize this is a science fiction movie, and maybe it's not apropos to talk about serious issues. But you know, we're in a—is it science fiction? I don't even know. Yeah, I mean, it's a, if you, if you're going future, it's usually science fiction. You know, if it's not Earth, it's fantasy. I guess that's what I liked about it, though. It's more of a drama in the future. Yeah, but what I was going to say about it is is that you know, right now being in a war, and we're talking about the idea of like, you know, how many how many lives? When do you finally draw the line and go, whoa? man that's way too many like too many people have died for war blah 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 this is one of the and it's that scene in particular where you suddenly go this is about one life this is about one life like this baby has to be protected this baby has to be taken care of at all costs and out of all these people the only ones that seem to really understand that are, the are Clive who... Owen's character the mother key and the mother of the um um uh the nurse who's there mm -hmm. they're the three everyone else wants to use a polit political motivation wants to use it for all these things they in that world are the only ones who aren't jaded enough to be able to see through that and go no this baby this is the future man we have to do something and, and for that one little instant everybody sees it and mm -hmm. it's dead silent you just see them walk out and then somebody starts shooting again, yeah, and, and it fucking all, all goes to shit, again, and it's forgotten. Yeah, and I, you know, and I've seen the movie so many times, and every time that that first shot rings out again, I just go, "Who shot? Yeah. Who wasn't still entrapped with that yep. that beauty of that moment?" You know, but that's, that's the world. Yeah. That's the world that we live in, where it does go back to that. You know, so anyway, that's. I guess that's a great that's a great place to stop. Is there anything else that you want to say about no, it? No, that's great. The yeah. one last thing I wanted to say about it was this. The director had been... This director... God, tell me his name again. I'm so fucking bad with this shit. Um, Al Alfonso Cuaron. Alfonso Cuaron had been trying to make this movie for years. Um, it was only after that he was approached to do Harry Potter, he made a deal essentially saying, I'll do this movie and I'll make you a bunch of money, but after that, I want to make this movie that I've been trying to make forever. And they said, okay. That's a good trade. And... Fuck, man. More direct, more people in positions of power in Hollywood need to take that chance because more movies like this need to be made. So oh, I totally agree. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, What's the song we got? We're going to play a song by Bronco, uh, one of my buddy's bands, a really great band, yeah. off their new CD called Constant Everything. The song is called Deep Water Number Two. So we'll be back in just a minute. Say goodbye, Adam. Goodbye, Adam.
Favorite versions of the future, and yes. Um, uh, so let's start off with that uh, that one as the first one. Um, Why don't you go ahead and do your number five? You go ahead and start off first. <laughs> right. Oh man, you're gonna give me. We shit. talked about this a little bit, and some of you're like, "Can I do Dibidoo?" And I'm like, <laughs> "You can do whatever you want." But, uh, all right. No, um, this one is purely nostalgic, and you're gonna give me <laughs> shit about it. But I'm in love with these movies. I don't care what you say, oh, and I love the version of the future. Back to the Future. Part I two. fucking knew it. I <laughs> knew that's two. what it was gonna be. But it's dorky and cheesy, and it's very retro, futuristic. Oh, so um, 80s. of two thousand. Dude, they have 15. the eighties cafe with the Max <laughs> exactly. Headroom, uh, Ronald Reagan, <laughs> whale, whale, whale. Like, yeah. oh my god, <laughs> it's it's totally cheesy. <laughs> but at the same time, um, it it's kind of a future that special effects weren't really super like popular and if they were it was kind of pretty subtle and it was they did it right before there was a huge leap in technology with special effects and right and you can obviously tell but a lot most of this is nostalgia but every time i watch that movie i'm like i love this version of future i mean fucking power laces and hoverboards <laughs> have they come out with those yet they're real aren't they the hoverboards it's not 2015 yet so we still have like seven years so it's to, very to possible the, well i mean look out once hoverboard technology is there that's that's fucking it it's the end of the world yep. well, and there's a great thing because robert zemeckis was joking around saying they're real and there was this huge buzz about all these people at going to Toys R Us and saying, we're going to buy a hoverboard. <laughs> and it, it was just funny, and he ended up having to having exist. to take that statement back and saying I was just kidding. But yeah. Back I'm, to the Future Part 2. idiots. I was just kidding. Back to the Future Part 2. Okay. What's your number five? Brazil. Nice. Brazil. Uh, and the reason why, Ter- Terry Gilliam's Brazil, because in the future... Things just are not really that different. It's like you still work in the tiny little office and like everything's still really cramped and dirty. And like there's this whole 1950s throwback. Like for some reason in that future, everything's still on paper. And so there's like, you know, and and the ductwork and the walls. I love that. And like, You know, Robert De Niro is the, as the, the rogue ductwork repairman who swings around like, Batman from building to building in the middle of the night. Food in pill form. Uh, just the bureaucratic, like, insane... You know, I just... I really love that way of, of doing it, where it's just like, the future is fucking boring. And everything's the same. And it's just He does this. a lot of uh, movies in the future. It seems like 12 Monkeys... Uh I guess Twelve other, Monkeys, Brazil. I guess those are really the big ones. Yeah, Most so. of the movies just look like they're in the future. I guess so. like I love Fisher King. That's a great. That is again. a great one. Okay. Okay, your number four. My number four is kind of a kind of a weird one. I don't know, um, but it's THX eleven thirty eight. Oh yeah. Okay. The George Lucas movie, and you know, there's a lot of lot of um, 
future movies with kind of the same story of a dehumanized future and we need to suppress emotion because it... But none of them look like that. It ruins anything. No, and that was kind of... You talked about original future movies, and when I think about it, that one was actually kind of ripped off a lot, and I love the metal robot cops and all that shit. Yeah, yeah. And I just always thought it was a really cool version of the future, so... There are other ones that, you know, kind of have the same storyline, but this one, I thought... I picked it for more originality. Right. um, Number four for you. Fifth Element. I I love the flying cars. I love the way they look. I love the way the, yes. the cops kind of look like Judge Dredd, like in the big outfits. And, and That's Chris great. Tucker with his talk show. And that yeah. was one of the big things, too, was the outfits. The fact that there's this, like, you yeah, can, you sweet, can like, tell dildo, hair. blue, green dildo thing shooting <laughs> out of his head. And, and like, well, and just that... The, the, it really shows a lot, and that's one thing too. Is you think about these futuristic movies, like people are still walking around in like fucking trench coats and shit, like, yeah. and it's like fashion. this one, yeah. the fashion. Yeah, there's so much to that, and like the the apartment that's the size of a closet, and everything goes in and out. And I thought that was really inventive. The movie has its own problems, but there's a lot of great stuff about it. No, but I the cruise ship in space, and like that was really and cool. They put you to sleep, so yeah, you don't even notice it. I like the, that um, stuff. So that actually was. The, for my number three, that's actually a good tie-in because it was going to be between Fifth Element and this one, and uh, I chose Minority Report for my number three, which oh, is see. which is kind of kind of a, not nearly yeah. as of the same similar future, but um, the uh, I don't really know. I mean, well, can I do this really quick? Yeah, my number three is Minority Report. Also. Is it yeah. okay? See, and you know, it, it's. It was so real. They didn't talk about it. You mm-hmm. were just in the future. Very and subtle. The car, the way the cars looked, the way the way that uh, the way that the different businesses worked. He's in the mall and yeah. does the eye scan at the Gap, it's and it very says, realistic. "How is that? How is that sweater you bought, Mister Johnson?" Yeah, and you think, "God, that's exactly what they're gonna fucking do." No. They're gonna be able to just like yeah. know every all your purchases and like tailor make things well, for you. And the thing that I, I the reason I picked it over fulfillment, which I do love fulfillment, that was probably would be one of my honorable mentions. But uh, it wasn't you know too busy. It didn't distract you from the story or right. what was going on. And you know you gotta throw Steven Spielberg in there, right? So well and. Moreover than that, even, and it is ruling the last three of my top five, Philip K. Dick. Yep. Minority Report is from, I don't remember the name of that story. Do you? What the short story of Minority Report is? I have no I idea. I can't see, and I was going to do this thing and be mm-hmm. king nerd and go, well, really? That's from the short story. Of, <laughs> Philip but K. Dick. I can't remember the name of it. But anyway, okay, so that was my number three, too. So go ahead with your number two. Uh, my number two, and this is kind of a classic, and it's not really... Um, as much uh, actual quality of the movie, but the idea of the future more is Planet of the Apes. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the, like fi- the future yeah. itself isn't really. It's an tech- original one. Now, are you going with the remake? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me that. Uh, I would probably just because I saw it when I was a kid, is go with the original. Well, thank God. Yeah, because I'm sorry. <laughs> You know, Tim Burton, you are a god to me, but that movie is shit. That movie is shit. It fucking sucks. So that was more strictly picked on the more idea of the future, and I always thought it was a really brilliant idea of portraying the future and having society being completely flipped around and, you know, monkeys running the earth, and obviously... Damn apes! Yeah, exactly, and I, you know, Chuck Heston, whatever, but, uh, but, uh, I just thought the idea of it is that's more the reason why I picked it. Then I mean, obviously the monkeys look stupid, and yeah. and it's overall they look better in cheap. space balls than they looked in fucking <laughs> totally. that movie. Like, 
No, but that's I, I. You know, I'm with you, and it's and and I agree. My number two, and it has huge problems with it, but it's there's the elements to it that I love about it was Total Recall, <laughs> which is all which is from the Philip K. Dick short story. We need more. We can remember it for you wholesale. We need more women with three tits. That was one of the reasons why I loved that future, was the three tits. I don't know what you do with two hands, though. I mean, there seems to be, you know, there's a symmetry. Two breasts, two hands. You got a third one in there. I mean, anyway, though, other stuff I love about the memory vacations. I love that stuff. I love how, you know, everything looks all, like, clean and, and pristine on Earth. And then he goes to Mars, and it's just Vice City. It's just, like... You can have sex, you can go get your drugs, you can get drunk, like you could kill somebody if you wanted to. And there's this, and the mutants in it, and like, I like the whole backstory of how they started mining on Mars and then they like found shit and so left it alone. Like, I love those elements to it. And if you read the short story, you know that the hero in it probably shouldn't have looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He probably should have looked more like Woody Allen if you've actually read it. So there's those elements to it, but that's my number two. I haven't seen that movie in a long time, uh, but you know, another Arnold movie was. Maybe thinking about putting on that. Oh, what are you doing? Um, it was Running Man. Um, <laughs> That's a good one. That was a good one. So uh, Stephen King as Richard Bachman writing <laughs> that one. I haven't There's seen that one. There's my nerdity again. So yeah, no, that's a good one to play the game. Yeah, and um, okay, so my number one. I'm pretty sure we're probably gonna have the same number one as Blade Runner. Yeah, you do. Yeah, is that the same number one? one? And you gotta mention Blade mm, Runner once again. Taken from the Philip K. Dick story, uh, do androids dream of electric sheep? Yep. And, yeah, that movie, I mean, I'm sorry, and everybody knows it, like Ridley Scott, it is the pinnacle of the futuristic movie. It's incredible. It looks amazing, the futuristic cars, this idea of the colonies on the moon, and so Los Angeles looks like Tokyo, It's and there's all this, there's all the, I love the subtext of that there's no animals. That's that we've true. we've systematically killed off all the animals through pollution and hunting all these things. So there there if you if there is a real animal out there, nobody's rich enough to own them. Right? He's in the big office building and there there's the owl. That's and right. he's like, That's not real, is it? And he's like, No, it's a oh, replica. And he's right. like, Oh yeah, you know, but there's this whole subject. You know, I never really thought about the no animals thing, but yeah. That's huge in the short story too. Oh, okay. And so I, 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 I picked up on that stuff in the movie, but because I read books as well. Mm. Instead of just TV. No, yes. Um, and one thing I got to dork out on is um, I, I watched this movie in um, high definition, and it is honestly a completely different movie. Because really? I am so used to watching it on a shitty VHS tape where it's just over and over again and watching it. It really, it, it looks I bet there's, yeah. Especially for a movie made in the 80s. Um, so that's that's it for the future lists. If you uh, out there as a viewer have your own list of favorite futures, please write to us at a damn podcast at gmail.com and uh, we'll talk about it um, on, I was going to say the air, but the this next isn't episode? really okay. the air. All right, well, okay. let's do so anyway, our, our, um, our top five movies that include a birth. Yeah, because the scene in... Uh, uh, Children of Men, which is we such didn't really a, even talk about. Yeah, we didn't. But I mean, it is obviously like if we could add that to this, it would be both of our number ones because it's just like, holy fuck. Yeah, it's incredible, and it but, was done special effects, which oh is crazy. God. And yeah. you can, yeah, I mean, if you watch it a couple of times, you go, okay, I see where they like added the fake legs and did the whole thing and all yeah, that. But it's it, pretty, amazing. it's pretty Flawless. amazing. Anyways, so, so uh, do do you want me to start with, with yeah, my number ahead. five on this one? My number five. So the my number five birth. Movie, birth scene, movie. 
And I guess I just have to fucking blame Kate Bush for this one, but it's, she's having a baby. <laughs> like you don't know if she's died or not, and you got Kevin Bacon, and he's and he's sitting there, and, and you're he's giving me and shit he's, about he's back looking to the down at his feet. <laughs> and you got that this woman's work. That's sad. You're with the song, right? <laughs> yeah. And you do. You're going. Oh my god! Like, is she gonna be okay? Is the baby okay? Or I don't want to. And they are because it's fucking. It's a cheesy Kevin Bacon movie, but. Uh, you know, whatever. She's having a baby. She's no. having a baby. Yeah, have those moments. That's one of them for me. I'm but, sorry. And you give me shit about Back to the Future. I'll tuck <laughs> my balls between my leg like fucking Silence of the Lambs and watch that movie, and I don't care. No, so it, it is a classic. Yeah. You, you gotta mention yeah. it. Yeah. Um, well, I did have a number five, and I want to mention it, but I replaced it because of you. Um, my number <laughs> five was, um, and it's, it's kind of a cheesy, like, heartfelt whatever movie, but it's uh, My Life with... Uh, Nicole Kidman and Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, yeah. Where, uh, you know, and the whole idea of the story where he finds out he has cancer and he has a few months to live and he videotapes um, all, you oh, know, all of the... It could have been really good. And yeah, it just I gets, mean, like, it's the carnival thing. The idea the was great, and, oh, but, God. you know, I mean, the fact that he's uh, videotaping, you know, life lessons for his yeah, son. Making spaghetti, shaving. Why do I remember that shit from that movie? Because anyway. it's, you know, because it it's, it's, it's a good idea. Yeah. But Tugging I didn't the put that as my number five, and I put this strictly because it's totally retarded. Oh, fuck. And I it's, don't even think I've seen the whole movie. Yeah, I don't even think I've seen the whole movie, but it's fucking. Uh, Junior. Junior, yeah. <laughs> oh, my Schwarzenegger God. Arnold Schwarzenegger a baby. has a baby. And I, I don't even think I've seen the entire movie, but just the thought... And I went on YouTube today just to see if there's any clips on it, and there's a montage... <laughs> There's a there's a montage of him in a fucking pink dress. Yes! And he's pregnant. Oh, and, God. and the fact that this is even... A little bit of a serious movie makes it yeah, so bad. The fact that you it can have moments in it where it's like, I don't know if I want to have child. Like you're like, oh, well, you fucking. And he's getting in me? touch with his feminine oh, side and like, God, I don't know. Oh. I don't know if he has a vagina or if he's just shitting out the baby or yeah, what. Or is it a cesarean? And if it's a cesarean, like, but it's use? just oh. the idea of Arnold Schwarzenegger walking around for two oh, hours, yeah. being pregnant. You know what is the most dis more disturbing than that to me though? <laughs> it's our second podcast. He's shown up three <laughs> times in our lists. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> what the fuck, man? I, anyway, okay. He's an icon. So that's your number five. My number four, Monty Python: Meaning of Life. It's like a five-second scene, but it's it's the scene in it where they're doing. Uh... <laughs> sorry, that's <was> <laughs> okay. That's a cough. Sorry. Okay, you're all right. I'm okay. Okay, you need to. You're all right. Alright, so anyway, it's a five second scene, they're, they're making fun of the Catholic Church not giving out uh, uh, prophylactics, like, or not not that they give them out, but but saying like you shouldn't use them, and so it shows this this woman, and obviously it's one of the guys in drag, and he a, a child just drops out from between his legs onto the kitchen floor while he's doing dishes, and the husband's like, oh, I think you had another one. And he's like, oh, put him with the other ones. And It's just a funny scene. It's not anything too radical or amazing. But that's that's my number four because I, you don't fucking see that coming. And it's not often that you see a baby just be born to somebody standing and it fall on the floor. So <laughs> pretty funny. Anyway, nice. my okay. number four. Monty Python. Um, so my number four is uh, it's kind of a debate uh, between which one I could put. But it's uh, non-human birth. And I uh, I ended up choosing The Fly, where Gina Davis has... You fucking asshole, that's my number two! Is it? Yeah! 
I love that scene. The maggot birth. The it's maggot the birth. And it's a dream thing. sequence, but it's yeah. seriously like... It's creepy. Oh just my think, god. The dude, it's a maggot. Like, <laughs> Just thinking about it creeps me out. and like, It's gross, but it always was tattooed in my brain of... Oh, it's that like is the size of disgusting. a pillow. Yeah, it's yeah. huge. I was gonna do Alien, where you know it comes out of yeah. John. And I stomach. said, you know, according to the H. G. Giger uh, pictures, like that is a, the regular birth for it, so that would yeah. Counted, so it's non-human birth, but I ended up going with that's the fly. Your three. That was my four. Actually, that was your four. Yeah, you were fucking me up here. I'm sorry. No, it's fine, but it's, 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 I think I still, I know I got you beat with my number one. Oh, I'm sure you do. If I don't, if you get this one, if you get this one, and I'll say it right here, if, if you have on your list my number one, I will watch Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. <laughs> All right. Okay? That's All right. Deal. I'm pretty sure I, 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 okay, my number, I'll do my number three as my number two or whatever because the fly was my number two my number three is dead alive oh, okay great where the nurse now that she's a zombie or whatever and the zombie priest they fuck and then she gets pregnant like that like <laughs> which we like 20 minutes she's pregnant and then by the end of the day she gives birth to like and it's the most disgusting bloody like and there's steam coming it's just hideous and then the baby's that big mongoloid headed like and, like <laughs> he's chasing it through the park and all that shit so that's that's my number three now that's it'll be good, my number that's two. an underrated movie I think. oh it's we, I think we need to do that one in the future uh, that would be that's a, good one. a fucking great one Peter Jackson um okay so my, you're on three yeah I'm only on three but I'm you, you don't have to mention it if I put it on there but uh my number three is knocked up. Um, that's a, yeah, it's a you know, one. it's a it's great, a good one. The the actual birth scene where they show her crowning and you see full on vagina. Yeah, uh, I mean that's pretty. That they don't they you don't see that a lot of movies, but has uh, it's a culminating scene in the movie. It's yeah, definitely. But I mean the movie itself is a great. Um, I thought you know especially my wife's pregnant right now and watching it again while she was pregnant, I totally had a different view. Of, of the movie, and it really has a good thing about, you know, first-time parents and just being totally oblivious to what the fuck's happening. Are you happening. worried that she's going to get really mad at you like that? Oh, no. No, I'm not at all. <laughs> but but like, the, this scene in there, you're going to be like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sure I've done that once or twice, but, uh, <laughs> but um, I you know, Judd Apatow has this weird, you know, he's got these really uh, kind of just, you know, graphic... Um, not graphic, funny, just you know, word type of movies. Yeah. Um, but he always has this little bit of drama, a bit of heart, heart. Yeah. yeah. You know that he throws in there, and it's genuine, and you know, and what I, is that's it? why I like uh, about tra it. Tragedy plus time equals comedy, right? <laughs> exactly. That's what, right. I mean, isn't that's, that the? That's what I heard. It's true, and it, you know, I I put that as my number three because this was kind of a hard list to yeah. make up. So um, well, go ahead with I, your number two because I've only got okay. one left. And this I will wanna... be this will be real quick. Okay. Um, but uh, it's a scene that totally stuck out and I thought was really brilliant. Is um, There's a scene in Mel Gibson's Apocalypto. I don't know if you've seen no. Apocalypto. It is a brilliant movie. That guy can make an intense movie. Better than 10,000 BC. <laughs> anyway, sorry, go I'm ahead. Fucking miles better, even though <laughs> I, all I've seen is a preview of 10,000 BC. But you see Director of Independence Day and that just goes down and the toilet. And they speak English. 10, and they years. speak English. Yeah. How the fuck are okay, they anyway, all right. anyway. That's a whole new thing. <laughs> I did that, I'm sorry. No, it's cool. I, it's my fault. I, I wanted to talk shit about that movie anyway. So. I'm prodding um, you with that movie. <laughs> but it is brilliant and he really can make an intense movie. And there's a scene where his wife is trapped in, in this huge pit. Um, and it's raining super hard, and it's filling up with water, and she can't get out, and she has her other little son there, and she's, like, ready to give birth, pregnant, and she's, like, hanging on to the side of this, this dirt pit, 
and she's like basically ready to give birth and she fucking gives birth and pulls it out with like one hand and you know and just and it's underwater while she's doing it and it's just this crazy intense scene and it totally stuck out in my mind as this amazing wow. birth scene but watching it you're like holy fuck See, did she just do that you got you and katie should do that <laughs> Just, you know, just to say, I mean, take some pictures. It's a natural birth. Yeah, well, and then when your daughter's older, you're going to be like, that. that's how you were born. I was going to put my number one as a home movie of Katie giving birth. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, let's see, then you would have totally trumped me. And we're going to put it on the website just in case yeah. you want to see it. No. And just for all the fucking creepies out there that are fucking cruising <laughs> around on the internet. I always, I'm sorry, not to go on a tangent for a second, I always fucking hate that, man. I, I see these pictures on people's MySpaces of, like, their children. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no! No! Like, that's this is where the sex predators live. Don't put up pictures of your fucking kids. Because <laughs> well, there's going to be eight people that you know that are like, oh, it's little Johnny, how cute. And 5,000 guys sitting in their briefs at 3 a.m. going, yeah. Anyway, okay. <laughs> All right, we won't even... Sorry, okay, my number one... I, there's no way. No, I'm sure okay. I don't have it. Enemy mine. <laughs> Lou Gossett Jr. Oh, gives man. birth... And Dennis Quaid helps. Yes, come on. That's the fucking one, right? Is, that is if you're going with, like, original, inspirational, <laughs> never seen it before, never will again births, that fucking even beats Junior. You know, I watched the director's commentary on Junior, and that was the, ins <laughs> that, that was the inspiration. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Enemy mine. Oh, well, he right looks so fucking, fucking creepy in that movie. Oh He's my just, god! He looks like a fact, blowfish. Yeah, it's that is a weird movie. Yeah, and he gives birth. <laughs> he gives birth. Such a retarded movie. Okay. Anyway, you're number one. Mine, you Bring know, it number out. one. It's pretty probably pretty obvious, but it's Juno. Um, I don't know if you've I seen, haven't seen it yet. It's amazing. Great yeah. performance. Is really funny. They have a cool take on teenage pregnancy where it's not just it's not like a total burden, and she's not totally. Um, worried about it and how, how her life is going to change. You know, it's right. basically her, you know, giving this baby away. And it's just overall, you know, it's a great movie. Ellen Page is great and it's super funny. There's nothing super deep about it. It's just a good, just a good life lesson kind of movie right. for her. And, you know, I, so that's my number one. Cool. Well, I think that those were good. So once again, people out there, if you agree, disagree, you have some different ideas of what would be better or worse or whatever. Uh, go ahead and send us your ideas for your lists um, to a damn podcast at gmail.com. We're going to take a break. We're going to listen to a song by Pink Lightning called The Owl, and we'll be right back. Okay, um, this section we're going to go ahead and do um, 
our feedback section, which since we've only had one podcast, we we've, have one. We, we have one. We have one email, but it, it's our good friend Taylor Williams and um, Taylor Williams out there in Colorado, Colorado, and he uh, he wanted to uh, put in his favorite uh, Coen Brothers scene from last week, and it's. Uh, the scene where Nick Cage is describing the biker, Randall Tex Cobb, and he's hunting him down, and he shows him cruising down the highway, and uh, he writes, he should he shoots a fucking lizard off the rock and then throws a grenade at a bunny <laughs> rabbit. The cute little bunny sniffs at it, all, all curious, like, cut, the biker, cut to the biker from the front, driving away in a giant explosion in the background, then he goes over the hill and sails into the air of silence. The whole scene kills me every time I see it. That's a great scene. Oh, it kills me too, man. And I don't know how they did with the lizard pew, off you know, the rock, but it is... <laughs> I'm surprised. Did we have any Raising Arizona scenes? We didn't. That's a tragedy. And that is a tragedy, because that's a fucking great film. And he also uh, mentioned on The Great Rock Salt, uh, The Man Who Wasn't There, a very underrated uh, Coen Brothers movie as well, which I totally that's agree right. with. That's right. And I, I'd like to mention this other thing that he writes about, where he talks about in No Country for Old Men, the Coens possibly, and you know, once he explained it, I got to agree with him, referencing themselves from Raising Arizona. Um, most specifically, the scene where Anton Sugar is driving on the bridge and he pulls out his gun and shoots at the crow on the bridge is very reminiscent of that scene that he just talked about where uh, Randall Tex Cobb shoots at the lizard and then it blows up the bunny rabbit. Yep. And then he also mentions how even in the Moss's, in Moss's trailer, the wood paneling and sort of the look of it is reminiscent of uh, Raising Arizona, where there's that great fucking fight scene between John Goodman wow, and uh, Nick Cage. That is just beautiful. In the trailer. So, oh, that's great. Um, and then uh, if, if... And he also mentioned yeah. that I was crazy <laughs> for putting Magnolia as my number one. I was crazy for putting it in there because it was the wrong year, but... That, uh, yeah, it's a point of contention, man. I... I I love Magnolia. I do Sorry, too, Taylor. But, yeah, he says There Would Blood was a million times better than Magnolia. And, and he, even Punch Drunk Love was... In front of Magnolia, which uh, I... No, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, Taylor. Sorry, You're not going to get us on that one. No. But uh, you do need to watch it again. Yeah. It's been a long time because frogs falling from the sky. I mean, yeah, it's fucking genius. Come on. So anyway, thank you, Taylor, for writing in. And uh, we would love to have more people write in. Please do. Um, yeah, the more the more the merrier. We'd, we'd love to get uh, more feedback if possible. And... Get your guys' opinions on what you think and stuff that we missed. So, uh, do you want to talk about next next week's show? What we're next week's show, uh, the movie we'll be reviewing is uh, 2006's, I believe, 2006? No, it was last year, 2007. 2007, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Zodiac by the illustrious David Fincher um, about the Zodiac uh, murders in the 1970s. 70s in San Francisco. In San Francisco. We'll be reviewing the movie. We will be talking about our top five all-time serial killer movies, both fictional and true, so yep. either one of those. And uh, then our top five uh, Robert Downey Jr. movies. Nice. Those will be our two lists. So if you have comments for those, uh, please let us know if you have comments about any of these uh, comments or suggestions about any of these top or, five, or from the last one, or fucking anything. Just write to us and tell us whatever you want, and we will definitely... What's the email? Talk about it. It is... <laughs> thank you. Yes. One more time. One more plug. Uh, it is a damn podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on MySpace. We just put it up oh, at a damn podcast. 
and uh, hopefully in the next day or two we will be up on iTunes also, and then you can download them and listen to them in your car while you're driving around. So, okay, I guess that's it for. I guess two. that's it for this week. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, and within either this next episode or the episode after that. Adam will have a review of Fun. Stop or My Mom Will Shoot for Us <laughs> as penance for Magnolia. For Magnolia being the wrong year. Yeah. So, and okay. then after that, he can punish me with well, some Well, next time you movies, screw so. up, I'll have a good one for oh, you. Oh, I can only wait. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you very much.